Welcome to TAP's new accounting podcast series. I'm Albie Brooks and working with me is Abby Trelaw. I'd like to acknowledge that we are meeting on traditional country across Australia and acknowledge elders past, present and emerging. Today, Sarah Richards joins us. Sarah is a Niyampa woman who completed a Bachelor of Commerce at Griffith University in 2011 and the CPA program in 2014. Sarah's professional career has included a number of accounting roles, the most recent of which is a six year stint at PwC Indigenous Consulting, a majority Indigenous owned, governed and staffed Supply Nation certified Indigenous business. Sarah is also a member of the Indigenous Accountants Australia Advisory Committee, which is a joint initiative of the Chartered Accountants of Australia and New Zealand and CPA Australia, and the Indigenous Finance and Business Aboriginal Corporation. In her spare time, Sarah enjoys expressing herself through her art business, Murraway Journeys. Welcome to TAP, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. There are a number of opportunities for us to explore, in particular, the opportunity for more Indigenous accountants and meeting the accounting needs of the Indigenous business community. But first, perhaps you would like to provide some further background. First, your personal story. Yes, certainly. Um, I, as you mentioned, I'm a Nyampa woman from um, ACT region, so I'm living on Ngunnawal country, and I'd like to um, extend that acknowledgement of country to the Ngunnawal people of the lands that I'm living on and, and calling in for this podcast today. Um, I'm the Operations Manager at PwC Indigenous Consulting, or PIC for short. It's a Supply Nation certified Indigenous business, um, and we work towards enabling meaningful change for our mob. I'm also a small um, business owner and started up Maraway Journeys back in 2018, where I share my experiences and lessons in pieces of artwork, as well as interpret um, organisational journeys into pieces of artwork. Lovely. And second, your professional journey? So my journey into accountancy started in high school where I um, studied accounting in my senior years and then continued um, studying with my commerce degree at Griffith University. I chose to pursue an accounting career because of the, the high demand for accountants in the workforce and I had a natural aptitude for it. Uh, following graduation, I moved to Canberra for um, work with the government and during that time completed my CPA. Uh, I then decided I needed another challenge and left the comfort of the public service, much to my father's dismay, and joined PIC as a consultant. Um, didn't really quite know what was involved in consulting. No one could really tell me, but um, I was up for the challenge anyway. So what drew me to PIC in particular was our purpose of enabling meaningful change and um, really enjoyed the fact that it was majority or is majority Aboriginal owned, staffed and led and um, after three years in consulting, I then moved into the business operations side of PIC, working closely with the COO um, to enable the business to have the right processes and systems in place to be able to continue to deliver on our purpose. Um, accounting has equipped me with a range of skills that are transferable um, to countless roles from government to private sector and, and has played a role in me kicking off my own business recently. Excellent. So quite varied. I'm interested that yeah. you, you felt you were um, had a natural inclination for accounting <laughs> it, early on, really. Yeah. In fact, I was good at maths was the main yeah. <laughs> contributor yes. to that one. 
Yeah. Did you, did you study accounting at secondary school? Was it? Yeah. So they offered accounting in year 11 and 12 at my school. So I got to have a bit of a taste yeah. before choosing it at uni. And when you started your degree, you intended, you, you knew by then you wanted to do accounting or you rolled into accounting as it progressed? No, I knew I was doing accounting. Yeah. Um, it was it was economics that I wasn't sure that I, I didn't end up, didn't realise I was going to go into. Okay. Um, so I ended up doing accounting and economics. Yeah, excellent. Yes. Uh, economics is interesting. I think there's been a bit of a re resurgence of um, people and students wanting to study more economics, mm. which is really quite interesting. Right, so let's talk about Indigenous accountants. The estimate is that there are about 70 professionally accredited Indigenous accountants in Australia. Why do you think the number, at least on face value, appears to be so low? Yeah, I think um, it has definitely grown. So since I became a CPA in 2015, it's pretty much doubled. Mm. Um, and that's in, I guess, five years. Um, I think the number is low because the benefits of the profession aren't widely known by community. Um, to reference the closing the gap, um, closing the Indigenous accountancy gap in the Black article, Richard Hurst summarised it nicely that it's mistakenly perceived as a predominantly white male profession where you sit in an office all day crunching numbers. Mm. And Indigenous students um, tend to go into medicine, health or law. But the way I see it is the lawyers have been successful with a number of native title claims um, and that's pushed millions of dollars back into Indigenous communities. And this is where accountants play a role. So, you know, given the low numbers as they stand, um, there is a bit of a risk to the community when it comes to the effective financial management of this money coming in. Um, but, you know, more work to be done on financial literacy is something to, that can help save a community or a mm. hospital by having mm. that. Mm. I think that broader idea of growing financial literacy through the whole community mm. um, is relevant and as you say the the challenge of managing larger financial resources through native title and other related issues is is interesting do you know the breakdown at all of the type of work that the indigenous accountants do no it would be a very interesting piece to go into and i actually touch on it uh later on yeah as to some ideas yes i think one. that might be something for us to sort of mm. not you but us to sort of look at going forward as to the nature of the because accounting in itself is so broad as a profession, yeah. like many of our professions, of course, is so broad in terms of the specific nature of the work that one might do. Mm. So I think we as an academic community might have a bit more to do there. So what can be done um, other than what's already being done? And we know that there are a number of initiatives, a couple of which you have alluded to, to try and increase the number of mm. Indigenous accredited, professionally accredited Indigenous accountants. Yeah, so... I um, have said it a number of times and the key is really early engagement and building that understanding, um, you know, as accounting career, it's not as clear cut as selling medicine and the benefits aren't widely known. Um, but I made the decision to study accounting in high school and up until recently, a lot of the work's been done in targeting university students. Um, and, and in my opinion, a lot of people have already chosen what they're going to specialize in. So um, really taking that back, so a high school level or even earlier um, is, is one way of where I think things need to start. So a bit of a long-term plan because mm. it, it takes time to become accountant. So from, you know, decide, making the decision in high school to doing it at university and then my CPA, that's about 10 years. So mm. it's, a, it's not a change isn't going to happen overnight. So beginning that um, engagement early 
primary, like late primary school, early high school, I think will make a real difference. It's a good point you make about the idea that, I mean, most of us think that a three or four year degree will do it and we're an accountant, right? Which in, mm. as a base level, that is true, but to become fully qualified through the, the, the programs of the professional accounting bodies, you know, it's another matter. And particularly when that's combined with, you know, relevant industrial industry experience as well. So it's a good point. And I think that, um, which is the next question, of course, that we're going to talk about is the interesting Indigenous students, interesting trying to interest all students, you know, yeah. in accounting as a profession. It has been a little bit of a plateau off with the, the, the general enthusiasm for accounting over the last year or two. So yeah. did you have any thoughts about mm. what we could do within the school system, at least, to try and promote accounting as an attractive option? Because yes. I mean, for a lot of people, we, we, it seems to me with accounting across the whole community that there's we bit, a bit like most professions, I guess, but most of us do have a pretty rigid view about what a what, what, what an accountant is or what a lawyer is or, or whatever it might be. And I think sometimes mm. accounting actually suffers from that yeah. more traditional sort of straight up and down the, the line sort of view of what it actually is. And it kind of hampers it. Yes, um, totally agree. Mm. So, um, I mean, we have nearly 70 qualified Indigenous accountants from across Australia. That's, that's a lot of, um, of our communities that are represented. Mm. Yes. Um, I think it would be really great if there was a campaign um, role uh, showcasing those 70 Indigenous yeah. accountants and, and what they actually do in their roles. And I know there are a few videos of a handful um, going around, but imagine if there was a massive campaign of the 70 uh, and the impact mm. that that could have. I think too, I think particularly the, the interesting nature of the work that mm. accountants do. So outside of the more traditional fields of like, you know, yeah. financial reporting, for example, um, there are so many other areas that are, that are quite different, mm. interesting. Well, they're all interesting. We're in the accounting world. So we, yeah. you know, we're, we're talking to the converted here, of course, yes. initially <laughs> between you and I, but for others, demonstrating the, and as you say, it may be through video and technology that we can demonstrate that there are so many arms to the accounting mm. industry that offer exciting opportunities for the nature of the work that people might engage in. Yeah. So I think that's a good point. And I think that probably mm. generally we, we need to do more within the schools to, to, to provide this diversity yeah. of, of role that does exist. Okay. So, Moving to the opportunities for Indigenous businesses and organisations, mm. as you say, what are some of the main opportunities for Indigenous-owned businesses? So I think one of the key benefits is Indigenous businesses are more likely to employ Indigenous people. Um, there was a, a report by Supply Nations that Indigenous businesses are 100 times more likely to employ Indigenous oh. people, mm. um, which is massive. So by having Indigenous businesses, we're creating wealth for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So the biggest opportunity I see is the Indigenous procurement policy that um, was launched in 2015 and has since um, stimulated the Indigenous business sector, um, driving rapid growth. It's, uh, according to National Indigenous Australians Agency, it has generated over $3.5 billion in contracting opportunities and um, close to 25,000 contracts and 2,100 Indigenous businesses that have benefited. 
So, you know, with this success, has seen opportunities for more Indigenous businesses to set up and, and meet this growing demand. Mm. Uh, the, certainly the employment issue is, mm. um, you know, a strong argument um, mm. for the uh, continued concentration and, and, and growth of Indigenous-owned businesses. There's no doubt about that. So there seems to me at least that over the, in recent times, there has been an increasing network of support to try and help develop Indigenous businesses and organisations. Is that your read on the, on the landscape? Um, and backing up to that, the, the second question would be is what, what, what more do you think that we need to be doing in this space? So that's kind of a two-pronged question. Yeah. So, yes, I have seen more um, uh, increase in, in network of support for Indigenous businesses. Um, I think with the demand has come the need for um, more support to empower Indigenous businesses. Um, one way that's being done is through the Indigenous business sector strategy that was launched in 2018. Um, and, and then also around this time last year, the first Indigenous finance and business conference happened in Sydney, which I was um, a part of with Ben Iskovich, another um, qualified accountant. And that brought together a collective of like-minded people um, from different Indigenous businesses and the finance sector coming together um, to write the narrative on finance and business and communities. And the theme for that conference was the um, empowering community through Indigenous wisdom in finance and business. So um, COVID's taken the, has a bit of an impact on the, the momentum, but I um, have been speaking to Ben Askovich and it looks like there's some things in train for um, IFAB in 2021. So look forward to hearing more about that from him and, and stay tuned. Yep. It seems to me, from my observation, that the, the, the nature of the business organisations and activities that Indigenous of the nature of the businesses of the indigenous owned organizations is quite varied. Is that your, is that your take? Or is there a concentration in certain industries um, or is it reasonably sort of spread? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a misconception that we only operate in tourism and arts and yeah. it's actually more widespread than that. Um, we, as part of our work at PIC, we've done some work with a client around boosting procurement. And one of the pieces was saying, okay, well, you've got this contestable spend. These are the Indigenous businesses that you could um, utilise to fill that. So they're out there. It's just, you know, seeking them out um, yeah. and supply nation. Obviously, they've got an Indigenous directory that, that helps. Yeah. yeah. It does seem to me that it is reasonably diverse, which I think is yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Um, and, and is more likely to hence attract mm. more more businesses and more owners into the space when there are so many such, such varied mm. you know possibilities so i think that's actually you know it, it's 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 excellent that there has been some growth in the the support networks and some of the way the specific work that you've been doing with your colleagues as well mm. in, in helping to develop indigenous businesses um, and helping them to grow their own opportunities and opportunities for others. So I think this is this is just terrific. Mm. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add just a, around sort of Indigenous businesses? Is there anything else that you think that we should be, the, as a community, that we mm. should be aware of that, you know? What do you think yeah. covered that off? I think one of the ones that I want to highlight was the extent impact of Indigenous um, financial exclusion in Australia, um, which has long been acknowledged as an impediment for Indigenous businesses and entrepreneurs. Um, but to date, there's been limited research to understand the extent. 
um, and the key trends. So PIG is actually undertaking some work in this space to, to understand from you know public discussion what what does this financial exclusion look like and how can we sort of change the dial on that? Um, from, from my perspective, I think it, it starts in, in primary school, which links back to my earlier point about, um, you know, starting early and engaging. Um, and it's, you know, starting with understanding of financial inclusion and literacy. Yeah, excellent. Mm. So you're involved in all sorts of things apart from your, your day job. Mm. Um, what's next for you in your own journey over, over time? What, what, so it's been like a lot of people, it's been a big year. Um, yes. For me personally, we, we you know, had bushfires less than a kilometre from our, our house. Um, COVID has impacted my work team quite heavily. So that's been quite quite challenging. And in the midst of that, we, my partner and I built a house and got married. Wow. So, um, that is a big year. Yeah, big year. Um, and unfortunately, my, my parents were in Queensland, so they had to dial in by um, yeah. live stream. So um, roller coaster of year, I guess, is a bit of an understatement, but has been a great year of um, highs and lows. But for me, in the immediate future is just taking some time off to, to re-energise from 2021, um, because I think next year is going to be another exciting year. So getting ready for that. Yeah. Who would have thought that that's how we'd conduct a wedding ceremony? Yes. <laughs> Thank God um, for technology. I know, exactly. Uh, look, I think that, uh, you know, di just diversifying for a minute here, but um, look, the technology has been excellent through 2020, really, mm. for the most part, as I hang on hoping my internet connection yeah. holds. <laughs> but um, in terms of enabling and facilitating both organisational and personal mm. activity, I mean, it's just been fabulous. Yeah. So to finish off, just tell us a little bit more about the Murraway journeys. So I've always loved being creative and started painting from a young age um, because of my great grandmother being part of Stolen Generation. I um, didn't grow up with having traditional stories. So that kind of hindered my um, painting professionally. But in early 2017, I chose to make peace with my lack of knowledge of traditional stories and instead move forward with telling my own stories and experiences in piece of artworks. Um, and then so I made that switch in 2018 and um, created Maraway Journeys. So Maraway in uh, my ancestors' language of the Wongabong people means red kangaroo. And um, I have a family tree that shows that that was the totem of one of my ancestors. So um, that was one of the reasons why I chose to go by Maraway, but the other was the fact that a kangaroo can't easily jump backwards. So that resonates quite strongly with me to act as a reminder to always keep moving forward, no matter, no matter what um, gets thrown at me. And um, I guess nearly two and a half years on, Maraway Journeys is doing really well. And um, I'm finding um, a bit of a, a trying to make a balance between my desire of being an accountant and an artist. So um, look forward to sort of balancing that more in the future in, in a real respect we have a creative accountant we do <laughs> yes <laughs> um so for anybody who's listening how might they access your work at maraway journeys they can check out my facebook page um so maraway is m-a-r-r-a-w-u-y journeys um and get in contact with me there or on linkedin excellent Thoroughly enjoyed having a chat with you, Sarah, about both your own journey, your professional journey, some of the, the really interesting work that you're doing for, for the Indigenous community and within the Indigenous communities. And we've really enjoyed hearing your insights about 
Indigenous accountants and the opportunities that exist for Indigenous businesses throughout Australia and territories. So thank you so much for joining us here at TAPS. It's been a pleasure. Uh, we thank wish you very much for having me. We wish you well for the summer and the Christmas period. And um, after what has been a, a, a roller coaster ride in 2020, we hope you have a fabulous 2021. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Sarah. Cheers.